Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Crystal Boris. Crystal has had a very career life, including stops at Tesla and Apple, and now she heads up a Masculine Research Institute. She talks about that and how that got started and other pieces of her origin story, including who her sugar daddy is. Tune in to this wonderful episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast. All right. Welcome, Crystal Morris, to the Every Thought Matters podcast. I really appreciate you being here today. Nice to see you, Kelly. Hey, you too. So how are you today? How is the social media detox? Let's dive right into that. Oh, yeah. So um, I was recently, I just signed into a mastermind. And one of the things that was coming out of it was just taking a week or actually it was supposed to be 30 days. Um, I took 14 days off of social media completely. So no Instagram, no Facebook, no scrolling. Um, I did respond back to messages as, as I needed to, but it was literally completely clearing out your mind of, of thoughts and, and also letting go of what you believe other people, you know, things should look like because of what you see all the time and, and really resetting your nervous system around the uh, dopamine hits that you get from constantly going through social media. And it was, at first, I'm going to say I was scared because <laughs> like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Everyone's going to forget about me. And it was nice. I like, I'm definitely gonna do that again. Um, you know, it's just, it was nice to have no pressure of like, oh, I have to post by this time or, do these things because, and now it's like, if I want to do it, I will. And what was really interesting was without actually posting, I got followers and things that I'm sure the algorithm reset, but it was, it was nice to not have that pressure and just be like, you know, I'm going to do it because I want to do it, not because I need to do it. Well, your detox reminded me of something when I lived in LA, I was out there for five years as a filmmaker, but I took a, a day long silent retreat. Mm. where no phones just meditate every hour and a journal and you couldn't talk to anybody else in the retreat you could look at them but you couldn't say anything out loud and that's what a social media detox seems like to me you can't talk to anybody you put your phone away you can't you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and all that eight hours was just glorious for me just meditated once an hour and that was it and so now that adds to my bucket list because I'd love to go and just hang out with monks in the middle of India and not say a word for a month. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think if anything, that's kind of the not saying a word, thank God, at least I still had friends who we send voice messages to and things from clubhouse and, you know, cause I'm just yeah. by myself here in Austin. And, and so I, I think I would go a little bit crazy without talking to anyone, uh, particularly I also did a clubhouse detox too. So no clubhouse rooms too. So wow. <laughs> where I'm used to talking probably six to eight hours a day got shut down to maybe two tops. Um, but it was a really good time to kind of reconnect with myself and, and be like, okay, what thoughts are mine and what thoughts are other people's and what am I allowing to influence my life? Yeah. I read your, before this, I read your post on Instagram, which was very enlightening and very powerful. And that's part of the reason the way you write is part of the reason why I wanted you on this podcast, because 
you're very transparent and you're very raw and you're very authentic and you make no apologies for it. And you know, that IDGAF kind of mentality that you bring to your posts, where did that come from? How did you find that? You know, it's so funny because, uh, I definitely grew up the child of a people pleaser. Um, you know, and I think a large part of my upbringing was the, acceptance from my parents when I was achieving. So I wasn't, I wasn't the kid who was told that they were pretty, which, you know, I think that's a whole nother issue with girls on, you know, just being only told that they're pretty. My parents never told me that they would just acknowledge me when I was achieving something. So you got straight A's great. You were valedictorian great. And so it really set in part this large portion of me that had to always be achieving. And with that, I think, you know, that translated obviously through my career and my various accolades and, and um, you know, how much money I was making, what I was earning. But I think deep down, I was always seeking acceptance. Um, and it's funny because as successful as I, I will be, I always feel like, and it's probably my own self-induced perception is that I'm the black sheep of my family because I'm the twice divorcee who never had kids, you know, I think my parents would feel much safer if I had a traditional marriage, if I had, you know, these things. And I remember when I told them I was retiring, I said, Hey, um, you know, all you guys need to know is I'm retiring. I know it sounds a little crazy, but trust me, I'm safe in this. Um, I bought a house in Austin and I have a partner now. And the only thing out of all of that, bless my parents' heart was that they're like, Oh, you have a guy that's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, because it's just, and I've had to learn to accept that that's just the, the mindset that they come from and, and the, the, where I have to meet them where they are and that they might never be able to fully understand who I am. And it doesn't make it bad or good. It just is. Yeah, it is. It's funny because I now have given myself the moniker of a recovering people pleaser. That's, mm -hmm. I did the same thing, you know, I was a child of divorce. So my coping mechanism was pleasing my parents and my step parents and making sure I got good grades and make sure everybody liked me, but really everybody liked me, but nobody liked me. I don't know. If I, you understand this. Cause I mean, you've been coaching for so long. You understand how, when somebody says that, because it's not like it's a true relationship. They like you, but they don't like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and so, I think a lot of times it's, it's really coming to grips with who you are. And I think until you really know who you are intrinsically, it's hard for anyone to truly love you because no one can love you or like you more than you like yourself. And that was the huge shift for me is after I really started to, you know, after failing my second divorce and then starting to help my male friends and all these things. And then I had that mirror flipped on me of like, Oh shit, I was kind of a bad person. Like I, I made mistakes and being willing to acknowledge it. And that was the huge growth for me. I mean, you mentioned journaling. So I just started writing and posting stuff. Didn't intend for it to turn into coaching. I just started posting and started healing my own, you know, parental wounds, you know, ex relationship uh -huh. stuff. And people were like, wow, that, that really hits, you know, that, that resonates with me. And I was like, oh shit, clearly this is going somewhere. And if it's at least, you know, even if it's my own truth is helping someone else, then that's what the value of me writing is besides, you know, for my own self, self uh, journey. Yeah. And we're alike in that sense. Cause I do a lot of posting like on social media and especially Instagram is kind of my little place. And 
I wrote something a while back while you were on your sabbatical about it. I kind of post for me and if you get something out of it, that's great. But I'm on this journey trying to find that intrinsic piece of who I really am, which now I have this moniker that I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I really focus on that because I'm like, wow. And because I've done that, I've figured out what kind of coach I am and starting to figure that out and rewrite all that. So, but that's all because I, wrote on social media or in my journals at home that this is who I am and this is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm looking forward to you being a fully recovered people pleaser, at least on the other end of it. Yeah. I honestly, like there should be a 12 step group for that. (laughs) I think there should be, you know, I'm terrible. You know, I, because I know a lot of people who are recovering addicts in various walks of life. And a lot of what they talk about in recovery is a lot of what we people pleasers have to recover from. So oh, yeah. uh, I just think, you know, but I do go back to your posts and go, wow, you know, just even your, your one today about being a COO and you're totally shifting and redirecting yourself I wrote down a question for you because how did you get to the point where you don't fear failure? For me, I think it comes down to really, truly trusting my gut. Um, And every time I've gotten these intuitive hits of like, you should do this, you should do this. And I've really sat with why I was doing it. Then I will say that um, it's usually always worked out. Now, I do think that I, I do have this level of self-support and, in, in, you know, just financial backing and, and, you know, making some smart moves in, in that type of industry. Because I'll say, like, you know, the whole idea of making money as a coach, like, like this is now my life, scared the shit out of me because I'm like, okay, now I have to actually, I'm getting paid for people to want to work with me. It's not my value as in my practical skills. And what was funny was I wasn't anticipating this new business venture to, to be anything. And, you know, I, I'd written down, I, tr- I, I like to manifest and I'd written down, okay, I want, I want, you know, $12,500 um, this next month. No clue how that was going to come through. I was like, okay, maybe it's going to come through in the form of, you know, clients, you know, five clients or whatever this is. Right. And then out of nowhere, my friend says, Hey, I, I need you to take on this role for me. By the way, there's a salary. Well, when I actually sat down the next month um, and divided it up, like when I was writing my goals for next month on, on the new moon, it was exactly $12,500. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Based are, on my salary. Are, are you into the law of attraction? Because that's kind of like a, very much my jam. It, it's kind of how I put it. I go, law of attraction is my jam. Is that something... This part of oh, your whole I am I am a manifester on just the most stupid ways. Like and that's what, what happens for me is I, I try to manifest something and I get it in the oddest way. Um, you know, I woke up, that's what happened, that's how I ended up in Austin. Was I, I had my spiritual awakening. I decided mm-hmm. to, you know, over the weekend quit my corporate job. Um and when I quit my corporate job, two days later, the Tesla stock went crazy and I became financially able to quit my job and say, well, fuck it universe. Clearly you're telling me something and let me, let me follow through. Um, and took a leave, um, because they wouldn't let me quit. 
And on January 11th, I still remember the day I got an invite to clubhouse stumbled into a room on clubhouse with Eric Everhart and got adopted by the professional porn stars and pickup artists of clubhouse. And that became kind of my jam for a little bit and, you know, really growing a name and a following there. And then about a month into it, I'm like, I can't go back to this other world. I don't know what like that person is. I sure as hell can't live this alter ego lifestyle of, you know, trying to be a relationship coach and be an HR in corporate. Um, and so I quit and, um, you know, then I, I will look around one day. I said, well, I'm in a box and I don't leave this box. So where do I want my box to be? And I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning. I'm like, Austin sounds good got on the phone with some friends, you know, I think I was on a flight here two or three weeks later. And then just so happened while I was having drinks with my real estate friends, um, you know, I was telling them, I was like, well, I don't want to sell the stock until this amount of time. They're like, oh yeah, just take a loan against your stock. You don't have to sell it. I'm like, you can do that. So I learned all these just crazy tricks around, you know, taking loans against your own value and basically paid for my house in cash. I, I, I got one of four houses that were listed. Um, funded it and was moved within a month. Wow. So again, when I manifest, I manifest in very weird ways. I think, and that's yeah. the other thing that I love about you. And I loved what you wrote on your post today. It says the universe is my sugar daddy. And that's yeah. the way you, when you manifest, it's the universe being your sugar daddy. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, how, wake up in the morning and you know that you're like, okay, yeah. All right. This is going to work out because the universe is, you know, my, my sugar daddy. Wow. Well, it's funny. Cause I, over the weekend and I've started, you know, without even posting, I, I started posting uh, or like having client people, uh, potential clients reach out to me. And this one guy says, so are you basically a professional muse? And I hadn't thought about it. And I'm like, fuck, you know what I am. Cause like, that's the guys who I help. I help these like corporate type guys, you know, they're going through this stuff. And a lot of times, like we end up riffing about their what's going on in their businesses. So in this last week, I've helped someone come up with a new brand name for his company. I had a friend who's a DJ. He's like, Hey, think of a song name for me. And I'll get these, you know, these hits of intuition. I'm like, yeah, try this. And then it works out. I'm like, and it's funny. Wow. I, I don't know if you remember that movie dogma. Um, yeah. And Selma, Selma Hayek's character, and I'm going to probably right. write about it, but, you know, she's like, it doesn't take a genius to learn how to, like, you know, squander idiots out of their money, but it takes a true artist to teach inspiration. I'm like, yes. yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So you are really tapped into your creativity right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as a creative? You know, I didn't used to, um, I actually am very artistic in nature. Um, I was like, you know, most artistic, like in all those things I used to do a lot of painting, yeah. but I, and I actually went to school for fashion design of all things and wow. ended up saying like, I don't want to do this because I'm not going to make money doing it. <laughs> and I think I buried that portion of me, but the funny thing, and I don't know if you um, are familiar with human design, um, but yes, as I really, so my life's work is actually imagination. So that is. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. I can't remember. I have mine printed out here. I just did it. And that's a tangent, but I just did it. And I don't remember what mine was out of the, all of them. 
Well, I'd love to look at yours at some point because I, I actually am working on getting certified in it. So it's oh, really? It's, it's something that I'm actually integrating into a lot of the work that I'm doing um, because, and it, it's it's giving the guys I work with a little bit of woo, but not too much woo. Like it's like a little bit comfortable. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of them they're like, we don't really believe in astrology. We just do it because women like it. And like, well, let, let me give you some information that might actually pertain to your life versus telling you what a Taurus does or you're being very Scorpio. <laughs> True, but I did do that, that human design. And the only reason why is because I had a lady on my podcast earlier, uh, earlier this year, and Pinka Yerkovic, who wrote this book, Self from Love. And she's like, go do some of these personality tests. And she's certified in something called Fascinate, which uh, Sally Hogshead wrote this book, and she created this thing about um, how to fascinate. And there's this test that you can take for like 50 some dollars and it kind of gives you that. But she also listed human design. And that's why I went down that rabbit hole. I'm like, wow. And it was a lot of information. Like I have to read that like five. It's like a doctoral thesis about you. Yeah. But it's yeah. Heavy. And it, it's and one of those heavy. things that it took Richard Rudd who created it over eight years. Right. And it was just, and even then you're still always a student. Like you're kind of always going through your pathway. And every time you unlock something else, then you're like, oh. <laughs> new up level is going to suck right. for a little bit. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I'm still trying to understand all of it because it's, it, it does take a translator to translate that, you know, I've got this 50 some page document and I'm like, wow, that's just a lot of whole boatloads of information, but it's also good for you because you understand, you know, your chakras and all of that, but you, and I'm into the woo. So that's my jam as well. But reading all that seemed more math-based and science-based than woo-based, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I'm starting to take it um, is in, in kind of like integrating that with like a lot of the traditional like Myers-Briggs. I'm trying to see the overlaps right. uh, of a lot of personality types, but also going back to attachment theory and how it all relates back to relationships, which is what really we're all here for, whether it's in the work world, whether it's in their personal relationships and, and seeing where the threads all intertwine. Yeah. And I fully believe that because that's why I'm, I'm pivoting again and I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm the, a reluctant entrepreneur. I love the safety and the comfort of the corporate world, but I mm -hmm. knew like you, it wasn't for me. I lost my job and I was a computer programmer for 25 years and then a filmmaker for 10. And, um, I just didn't like the corporate world. Yeah. And now I'm flying without a net as a barista and doing my coaching. And this podcast, which is the truest joy I've ever felt outside of making a movie, making a movie, there's something about that, but this sitting and just talking to my guests is a drug for me. See, and good for you. Cause I'll, I'll tell you, that's one area I'm getting analysis paralysis. Cause I've been working on trying to start up my own podcast and uh, oh, uh, just do it. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's a lot of work from my end um, because uh, I, I do interview the people, but in order to keep their full confidentiality, I'm actually writing it up um, kind of dateline style. Yeah. And so it's going to be me recording a lot of it. So it's, it's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of work on the front end, which I just have to suck it up and do. Um, and once I do it, it'll be great. That's kind of what I, I, I just did the opposite. I'm like, okay, I got a microphone. I've got video. I can use Zoom. All right, let's talk to people. And I just start reaching out to people I knew from 
all walks of life, whether it be actors. I had a a lady who's a life coach certification guru out of Dallas, but also has a PhD in family counseling. Had her on. And she was amazing. You know, she's just little petite Texas gal, Dr. Nisi Moore. She was a wonderful, wonderful conversationalist. You know, mm-hmm. so I do everybody. I just like hit the button and see what happens. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's great and sometimes it falls flat, but I don't care. It's, I get to talk to people and see who they are because in my world, everybody's a mirror back to me. They're like, you mirror back to me joy and happiness and spontaneity. I think spontaneity is something that you've always had. Mm, yeah, I can definitely say that. I, I mean, always want to kid, just jump in. Yeah. So why isn't that just, this fascinates me because you're so reluctant on the podcast side, because I think you'd be wonderful at, at it if you just, as opposed to the confidentiality of the people, just start talking to people in your world, the, the realtors and, the, you know, just talk. Yeah. You learn well, and, about and yourself. Really the biggest thing. And, and one of my, my, my male friends reminded me the other day, is like, this is not about you. This is about the men. Like you have to do this for the people you help because a lot of it, um, sure. and that, that kind of like reinforced like the reason why I'm doing it. Um, oh. because for a lot of it is really about opening up the dialogue of the secrets that people hold and like the pain that they're holding in them. Um, Ooh. and and the shame that there is affiliated to it. So uh, what I've uncovered through my last you know, few months of coaching is a lot of people are holding on to these severe levels of shame or dark secrets that ultimately they don't even tell their therapists. Like they've been seeing therapists for years, but they don't even tell them. So it's kind of eating them up inside and they spill their guts to me within about 15 oh. minutes. And, you know, ultimately it's like, Hey, like, I'd like your permission to be able to share this story in an anonymous way so that it'll normalize to other men that this is something that they can be vulnerable about and that there are other people that they can relate to. Because the one thing about, you know, men is they, they hold their frame of strength so much. And sometimes even amongst their friends that they don't know who to trust and and they don't want to let other people down or like lose their, the viewpoint of their strength by sharing it. Yeah, I agree. And now I understand what you're get what you're trying to do. And I think, to be honest with you, I think we need that. We need that badly. And, you know, I carry shame as well as anybody else. I'm, I'm just now starting to learn how to laugh at my shadows. Yeah. Just because I'm the only human from this point to this point, and it's a very small, finite part of the entire universe's existence. So yeah, I've got some shadows and yeah, I've got some shame and whatever, but okay. Mm-hmm. I'm still an amazing human being. So take that universe. <laughs> and that's the funny thing, right? Like, you know, I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy and I've gotten pretty good about laughing at myself. Like, you yeah. know, I, I, I've joked and I've written a lot about like, you know, like my first marriage was just a freaking nightmare. Like I've definitely went through the phases of, you know, right. <laughs> serial dating. And like, I, I've told the story probably many times about the worst day I've ever been on, which <laughs> involved a guy taking me to pizza with his kid and then walking around Costco while they did their shopping. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, who have I become that I'm allowing this? Right. Um, you know, and it's funny, the more I kind of sit into like, okay, what kind of bullshit am I telling myself now? Like, what's the new, the new yeah. version? Yeah. Of yeah. Um, 
And that's where I kind of continue to try to like shine the light on it. And, and you know, I've always been told like, Hey, like you were very good about laughing at yourself. Um, and it's, it was kind of this huge epiphany I had even this weekend is, you know, am I also, because I'm so willing to laugh at myself, like I'm a natural flirt at heart. Like I am. And, and, and I hold myself back sometimes even in interacting with, you know, clients or people online, because I don't want them to perceive that it's right. You know, me flirting back and, you know, I think it's, it's out of this protection for the, for the masculine of like, Oh, I don't, I want to want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to do this. And, and, you know, I asked one of my clients the other day, I'm like, am I mothering you guys? Like, am I babying you guys and assuming that you can't handle me in my full authentic self, even if there might be some level of attraction, like, let's just say, say what it is, but like, I'm not going to like hold back because I don't think that you can handle it. And, and so we had a very long conversation, but I'm still kind of uncovering what I truly believe and what, what the true, you know, like where people, where I can meet people in the middle. But I'm like, at the same time, like I, my people deserve to not have, you know, crystal at 98% strictly because they're men. Right. Where my female friends, I can be, you know, fully flirtatious yeah. and, and girly. And it, it, it's very interesting in coaching men versus women. Like the women industry is all this, like, oh, I'm just going to be this person. And love me for all of myself. And then, you know, at the same time, it's this self-perceived judgment around, well, if I'm going to be flirty and sexual um, in the male coaching space, I, I, I kind of feel like a prostitute a little bit some days where I'm like, Oh, right. like, am I getting this attention because of the photo I posted versus what I wrote? Right. Um, and, and it's, 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 it's a mind fuck no matter which way you look at it, but you, <laughs> you just yeah. have to like laugh at yourself. Right. And it's like, well, you know, Gonna see what happens and throw throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Is your worker home life lacking empathy? Do you know that empathy is a key ingredient to being successful, achieving your dreams, and even leaving a satisfied life? If you want more information, go to everythoughtmatters.com forward slash work with me to contact me for a free consultation. I'm Kelly Reamer, a holistic life coach centering on empathy and listening to help you achieve your dreams. Yeah, but I personally, that's why I was drawn to you originally, just because you do that. You do throw that spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And you're willing to try new things. And for somebody who loves comfort like I do, because I just admire that. And I'm trying to get that reflected back into my own being and my own spiritual being to be able to be more like that. And that's why a lot of, you know, I know you do men coaching because it, it just, and that accidentally happened, didn't it? Mm-hmm. it just happened to guys started talking to you about this, that, and the other thing. And all of a sudden you're like, I should get paid to do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, again, it was, wasn't something I was really actively doing. Then one, one day, one of my closest friends um, from Apple called me and he's like, Hey, you're good at divorce. Right. And I'm like, well, fuck you too, man. Yeah. As we started talking again, like, you know, what was, uh, once a week turns almost daily. <laughs> I was like, I was like but, you know, and at the end of everything, he's like, I'm still a little bit of a dumpster fire of emotions, but I couldn't have done this without you. And I would have paid, you know, X amount of money for what you did for me. And so he started as his friends were getting divorced and, you know, and then I started getting people outreaching from Facebook yeah, yeah. and, you know, it, and it just kind of happened. And then I put it, I put it on the, on a little side table for a bit during COVID um, yeah. I said, well, you know what, like everything kind of got quiet and I was like, maybe this is a sign for me to, you know, work more in my professional career. 
And then spiritual awakening smacked me upside the head and said, well, nope, that's not what your plan, your, your, your purpose is. So I'm like, okay, let's readjust again. Um, and I've never hesitated. I've always been very fluid with my career, my jobs. Like I think before I was working for Tesla, I was only with a company for maybe an average of one and a half to two years. And then something would pluck me from that and say, okay, no, we're going to offer you this job at this other company or, and so I was always just in this state of movement, um, almost to the dismay of my parents. Cause they always worried I was going to like, you know, do something stupid, but I'm like, no, trust me, this is going to work out. <laughs> Well, I've learned, you know, again, the stories we tell ourselves are is the biggest thing. And you help men almost rewrite those stories about themselves, don't you? Mm-hmm. How gratifying is that? Uh, you know, it's it's particularly great when I can hear back, you know, six months to a year later and they're like, you know, I, I found the love of my life now, or, you know, all this bullshit that I was telling myself about who I am, or as they try to figure out who they are, because, you know, the whole term midlife crisis, it's, it's really just another, you know, resetting of your purposes and values, you know, and I think that right. it's, it's so villainized, you know, and um, I was just talking with someone yesterday, you know, cause he chose to leave his marriage, you know, after realizing yeah. he wasn't happy at, you know, 40 something. And I was like, yeah, you know, the idea of one person till you, till you die was great when you died at 50, but now we live twice as long. So the, the Disney version as, as great as it sounds, isn't always the ideal. Um, you know, and sure. a lot of times we just put our heads down in this, like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to do this work because this is what I'm told to do. And this is what is right, but it's not right for you. And not saying right. I want everything, everyone in the world should get a divorce, but I think everyone needs no, to be no, very no, no. true to what their ha- what brings them happiness, what their desires are and what truly like, resonates with them and being willing to let go of things that don't in a respectful manner, of course. Yeah. Agreed. And, but the core of all of that is the story they tell themselves and I'll give, you know, my listeners and you a little bit of insight because mm-hmm. I worked at wall. I moved to Rockport, left LA cause it was just too expensive. And I moved to Rockport on a whim, didn't have a job, didn't have a place to stay, had a little bit of money in my bank account, not much, but on June 1st of 2019, 25 days later, 26 days later, I had a job at Walmart and at Walmart and I found a place to stay and it worked out because that was me basically jumping off the cliff and building my wings on my way down, which I've always said that, you know, and I thought this is cliche, but no, that's what I did. But then I worked at Walmart, which isn't the best place in the world to work. And but once I finally left, I realized the stories I was telling myself. Mm-hmm. They, they were so damaging and I couldn't believe how freeing that was. And I equate that to what you do in your coaching is you look at those stories that we tell ourselves, men specifically, and rewrite that and rewrite what shame looks like or rewrite what those damaging things that you don't even tell your therapist. And I'm here to tell you, I've been through therapy and there's stuff that I've never told my therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I'm like, I'm okay with it now because I just, I know I'm working through it because I'm doing the work on my own, but you get to do that for people to go, look at that story. Why are you telling yourself that story and break it down? And that's hard to do. It's got to be physically exhausting for you though. Honestly, when I, when I have the right clients, and this is where I've also had to like recognize, you know, it's about that exchange. Right. And there's been people who I've taken on before where 
I left the calls going like, I'm exhausted. Like uh, with now that I choose to be more particular about who I work with, I leave those calls like excited. And sometimes like they'll reflect things back onto me of like, Hey, like you're mentioning this about your business. Why don't you try it this way? Cause that's what I love about men. They love solving problems. Right. So I in turn get some like problem solving done for myself. And um, a lot of it, you know, it it goes back to the conditioning. And what I found too, is um, helping them unpack the idea around their mother wounds. Like some of the relationships are like, what do they hold about that? And then also money. Like um, I, for some reason it, it makes sense to me. And so I've had to do a lot of reconditioning for myself around my belief around money, because I grew up in a family that my dad was well off, you know, or decent, you know, like he was a, he was a police officer. My mom was a teacher, but they lived in this world where we, they'd see someone with a nice car and say like, Oh, who does that person think they are? So it was this money is evil. Money is bad. And, you know, once I started to reframe that, particularly once I had to admit to myself, that I was actually making more than my dad had at the pinnacle of his career, you know, in my mid thirties. So I became almost shameful of even telling them how much I was making. They still to this day don't know, you know, what I have, but I had to reframe it of like, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, money just gives you the opportunity to be more of who you are in this world. So if you're an asshole, you're going to be more of an asshole. If, you're, <laughs> True. if you want to do good things with it, like you will do good things with it. And I, I love giving gifts. Um, like one of my favorite things to do is like send people unexpected things. So even for people I've met on clubhouse, I've sent them cookies. I've sent, you know, Aww. some of my spiritual friends who have done readings for me, I've sent them like candles and certain things. And it's always out of like, because I want to, um, and I don't ever ask for anything in return, but it, it brings me joy. And I, I actually do really practice the art. Um, Ken Honda has a book called Happy Money in which like basically, even when you have to pay a God atrocious bill, which I've had to do like multiple times this year, I say, thank you. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to like also call that back into myself. Like, okay, if I'm grateful enough to have to pay this bill, it means that I am in a tax bracket in which I'm going to get more of it. And yeah, when I had to pay a $36,000 tax bill, it sucked. Like it does, you know, and I've had no numerous people who were like that, you know, like when, um, but I said, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm in this bracket where I have to pay this. This is going to good things in, you know, to wherever yep. I want to talk about the government, but I'm like, it's taking care of things. Yep. And, you know, I would rather be paying this than be short in, in another way but it's well, a lot of reframing and, and a lot of people I find have, have these wounds because of either their parents or watching. I remember watching my parents analyze, like balancing the checkbook down to the penny. I'm like, Who the fuck cares about the penny? Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. But I have also done that work too on my money side. Cause money is always, it's, it's kind of my kryptonite, if you will. Mm-hmm. But now like, when I called somebody to pay a doctor's bill because they didn't have an online way of doing it. And I talked to the lady and I'm like, Oh, I love this because, and it wasn't this astronomical bill, but I would just start looking at it going, well, I got money in my bank account to pay this. That's great. That's kind of how I've reframed paying bills because mm-hmm. I have the abundance yeah. to do that. I have the abundance to pay for my light bill and I have the abundance to, for all of this. And, that just shifts your perspective. You're like, oh, I got money. Yeah. And now I look at it like that. And I just, I've, 
this trip and this living in Rockport, just down the road from you, uh, has helped me reframe that a lot, a ton. And just from my own perspective, just trying to find gratitude in being able to have money in my bank account and pay something. I'll tell you, one of my favorite things to give someone is, um, have you ever seen a money tree? No. So uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture of a later bit. So, um, and they come in different sizes. So when mm-hmm. I lived in, in Portland, I had a little baby one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a really big one. And I ordered mm-hmm. both of them online. And it's, it's really cool. It's kind of like interwoven branches. And then it's like a Chinese money tree. Um, and I gave one of them to a photographer who took some photos for me in Portland. Um, cause I didn't, I couldn't bring all my plans with me, but my big one, I was like, this is, this is me. <laughs> like, so I, I drove it in my car down from Portland and, um, I get to look at it every day and just like watch it in the sunlight and watch it grow. And to me, that represents my abundance. And like, it, and it, it really sets forth this like idea of like a living, breathing thing that is part of, you know, ultimately tied to your wealth. And so I take care of it. Like I would have pet. <laughs> wow. I've never heard of this. So yeah, do send me a picture. Cause now yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by this because I do think metaphorically speaking, that's a wonderful way to kind of look at abundance. I look at abundance and I have food in my cupboard and I got food in my refrigerator and I just go, that gives me the tummy flips. You know, those tummy flips mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. and and I remember Tommy Flips when I met my first wife and that's how I felt with her. And now I'm starting to feel that just with abundance. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a barista and a life coach. So, you know, I'm not sitting, you know, flying a private jet anywhere. So, but I don't care. I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. But I have found that Tommy Flip abundance mindset, which is hard yeah. to do for somebody who's always worried about money. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you have the opportunity to be doing this on a Monday, right? Like you're, you're not having to work three jobs, you know, and you get to talk to people, cool people online. It's great. I got, you know, the month of July is pretty well booked. Even the last week I got two podcasts scheduled, which I rarely do, but I don't care. It's, this is my joy. And Mm -hmm. the owner of the coffee shop that I work at, she's like, how was your podcast this week? You know, who'd you talk to? Who, what were they like? And she wants to know because she likes the fact that I have these days off to do this. I love it. I know. I'm very ridiculously blessed. So I have like two questions. I've been trying to find some questions, some unique ones. And who in your life do you feel, quote unquote, seen by? Mm, who do I feel seen by? Yeah, down to your soul. You don't need to name names. You can I mean, the relationships or whatever, mm-hmm. or I just, a lot of people, it's their kids and I'm like you, I'm single and I don't have kids. So I don't have anybody to feel seen by like that, but like my best Honestly, friend, Kathleen. I would have to say, um, just by, I, you want to call it universe divine intervention. I found some of my soul family on clubhouse Um. And some of them are readers in which they actually channel my spirit guides for me. I'm not fortunate enough to actually have a direct relationship to my spirit guides yet because a lot of this intuitiveness only came on recently. Um, But I have a grouping of about five people or so who I've all, I've never met them in person, all on Clubhouse. Um, And they channel my spirit guides and and (laughs) 
it was my spirit guides who actually called me out um, in my, in the room, like my friends, you know, they channel and they said they they got really quiet all of a sudden. They're like, "Um, they want us to ask you about your relationship. And I'm like, Ooh, and I was like, like, Ooh, spirit guides are calling me out. But like, they were right. Like they, they saw that, you know, I was not being um, as treated as I wanted to be or in the, like in the relationship that I had built, what I was telling myself was it was a safe relationship, right? Like I was like, Hey, I'm in a relationship, but really it's like, I'm not seeing this person half of the time. And, and they don't have the time to commit to what I, I really viewed as what I wanted. And so it took me a full weekend to like sit and sit with my feelings and process it. And like, yeah, you know what? It's they're right. Like, <laughs> like wow. um, and, and it, it's the kind of reflection that, I hope to be able to do for myself. Um, but it is one of those things where I'm like, okay, I am grateful that these people somehow like, because they're, they're channelers and intuitives that they get to speak to my, my team as right. it would be. Um, and, and I am divinely guided in whichever way it is. And I, and again, I've started just laughing at myself. Cause I'm like, if you would ask me if I would have been trusting my gut, moving across country, quitting my job and, having spirit guides five years ago, I would have like, no way, like never would have guessed. Um, and I just laugh. I'm like, well, this is my life. Yep. Oh, that's funny because I was telling somebody yesterday about my helping one of my friends deal with a loss with a, a huge loss that's happened like almost mm-hmm. two years ago, but I was telling them about my spirit guides, like my spirit guide, my, my love spirit guide, Stella. And I had a, tarot card reader in LA tell me that and I'm like oh and that's funny too because it's now I see that name everywhere so that just tells me that Stella's there even though the I haven't had a relationship in I don't know how long probably since Obama was president but I I still have this spirit guide though and mm-hmm. like you five years ago I would never 10 years ago I would not have even thought of this stuff, but now I think it's right. And I think it's beautiful and it, it helps me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some so. days I'll like, I'll catch tap in and sit there for a second. And like, you know, and it, it's interesting because apparently my, uh, my spirit guides are last, last iteration. They were kind of gangster rappers, which is why I've been posting a lot of nineties rap lately. It's been like channeling all of this. Uh, and, and so like, at first I was trying to talk to them very much like you'd imagine like a kid talking to God of like, Hey God, like, can we do this? Finally, I was like, right. yo guys, can we get this right. together? <laughs> like, I had to like relate to them in, in, a, in a more uh, real way. So <laughs> it's always an evolution with them, but we'll see what comes up. Yeah. And I'm like you, I still can't quite, talk to them. So I do have to, I do have use mediums to get mm-hmm. there, but still just the fact that they're there is great. So you have a favorite color. Ooh. Um, I guess if I had to say, so I'd probably say red, but it's interesting. Um, for a lot of things, I've just kind of naturally integrated into a lot of black, red, and gray. Um, because mm-hmm. that's all I used to wear when I was a Tesla. So yeah. it became this idea of just being very easy with my work day. Um, and even when I worked at Apple, it was like, you got your Apple t-shirt and you just changed yeah, sure. your pants. And I kind of adopted a lot of that into my life of like simplistic, um, sim- simplifying everything so that I can use my brain power for other things. Okay. So it's kind of like how, you know, in 
in uh, Facebook and Zuckerberg and like the, all, they all wear black t-shirts or black hoodies. That's all they wear oh. every day um, because oh. they want to utilize their brain for other things. And, and so when I was working at Tesla, I was like, I had a closet of white, black, and gray and some red. And I was like, wow. And it got really easy because I'd wear black jeans and just change my top. And, right. and like, even to this day, even though I have like a plethora of color um, for the most part, like my branding ended up being red, black, and gray. Um, and, and it makes my life very easy. Cause now I just like, I do this and I've, I've done some very similar things with like, even my eating habits. It's like, I have adopted kind of like what I call the black hoodie, like food diet. This is like, I basically, I have chicken, white rice and frozen vegetables and I can definitely cook. I'm a great cook, but for ease and simplicity and budget, that's all I really need. And it's healthy. It's nutritious. And, yeah, um, yeah. particularly with frozen vegetables versus when I used to buy all fresh, sure. um, I don't have any waste. Yeah, and yeah. so for me, it became like, particularly when I was writing and really grinding and now I'm probably a little bit more in flow as far as like how much time I'm going to devote to social media. But when I was like really at it, 10 minutes was all I really had to be able to go and get food ready and, now it's like, yeah, I could, I could cook a full meal if I wanted to, or I can just have convenience and still have it be really good and tasty and nutritious on my body. So I like to simplify as much as I can so that when I do get to have those more luxurious moments of going out to eat or something, it's, it's worth it. Um, you know, and, and I'm a big, I'm a total introvert actually. Um, who knew? Yeah. Uh, I'm a Virgo by nature. So like I, I can hermit all day long in my little house. Um, so I sometimes uh -huh. I have to force myself out. Um, and I think that's where I get very social, but when I do, I'm, I'm always happy. I did, but I always need like periods of rest in between so that I can like reset. And that's how I really recharge myself is, is in quiet and solitude. And simplifying and like you sound somewhat like me and I love, it's just kind of, reaffirming that I think people are mirrors and people mirror back and you're mirroring back to me that I'm, the, I'm a extroverted introvert. So I love my little bit of time, but I can go and work any room anywhere. I mean, it would, no matter whether it's a fortune 500 boardroom or just a bunch of people at a dive bar, I can mm -hmm. work any room. I, I honestly, I thrive on it, but I also know like you, I've got to sit back, simplify and recharge. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about moving so often was that every time I did, I was able to like let go of things, you know, I had to purge, you know, clothing or whatever. And I probably still could use a decent clothing uh, purging, but you know, just the other day I was, I was talking to someone over, over the 4th of July weekend and he was, you know, 30 pounds heavier and, you know, so I have this, like, you know, I kind of mentioned like, yeah, you might want to clean your room. And I said, cause this is also a framework of, of what your mental space looks like. So if you're, if you're sitting in, you know, chaos is, is your mind in chaos? Like you'll probably feel much more clear when you can see your floor. <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, I said, if, if I just can make a suggestion, I was like, do you plan to get back to that level of weight that you ever were? And he's like, no, I was like, okay. So go through your closet and get rid of that. Why are you holding wow. on to it? Wow. And so sometimes, you know, even if it's simple, simple as cleaning out our closet, like I, I followed, um, Back during the start of COVID, I did the whole Marie Kondo, like, if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it Yeah, yeah. Um, in your house. And I, hell, my junk drawer looked fantastic. Like, it was great <laughs> I need to redo that drawer again. Um, but 
when I did it, it was, it was super refreshing to just have everything be in its place and everything that I still had was things that I loved. And I'll tell you, it wasn't until I went through my second divorce in 2016 that for the first time, everything was mine because everything that I had had, you know, going through college, going through my first marriage and, and such forth, it was all something I had purchased with someone else or had a memory tied to it. Mm-hmm. And when I basically chose to implode my life, you know, lost my job, you know, mm-hmm. lost my marriage and then moved with, you know, maybe 10 boxes to Texas um, and started all over again it was the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to buy things that I like. And for the first time in my house, everything was something that I wanted. It wasn't someone, something I'd chosen with someone else. And I've allowed myself to continue that forth. And, um, you know, haven't been in a relationship where I have to ever consider having to worry about what someone else likes. But, um, with that, I think it's about like what makes you happy. And, And I've been trying to, uh, actually just yesterday, uh, a group I'm in that we were talking about the act of meditation and how, uh, for me, I have a really hard time sitting still. And so part of the, um, the idea of with human design and, and ref- self-reflection is basically making your entire day an act of meditation or reflection and contemplation. So mm-hmm. I actually, I, I've been avoiding the idea of getting a cushion to sit on for some reason, probably because I really didn't want to sit still, but it's like, you know, instead of having that dedicated cushion to have to go sit on because it's forcing me into having to do it at a particular time or particular place, I'm going to take moments of contemplation throughout my day, wherever I am. Yeah. And, and just take those moments of being still and accepting and be like, this is really cool right now, you know, and, and just accepting it in those moments versus having a dedicated place. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way, but I kind of actually, I think that's a good practice we all should do because I know there's a lot of people that have several lines of uh, monologue going, not dialogue, maybe dialogue, depending Mm -hmm. on you, but several lines of of stuff in your head all day long, not only what you're working on, but what, what else is going on in your life. For instance, my dog wants petted right now and she's just Mm -hmm. very, very needy and, I have that going in my head and while I'm doing a podcast. So we all have that stuff. I think it's really brilliant of you to suggest this, which is new to me. It's like, just take that moment throughout the day. You don't have to sit for 15 minutes a day to meditate. And even though I do, even though I journal and meditate, but you still can do that. Take a four count deep breath, close your eyes, wherever you're at, as long as you're not driving, you're good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's no, a brilliant way on. to live. Wow. Well, that's what I'm trying to do more. I mean, I definitely could go outside more. I try to at least go outside once a day and like put my feet in the grass and ground and oh, yeah. like, you know, get a little bit of sun. Um, Cause it's very easy for me to get project to project. And, and part of my social media detox too, was I was also switching my times timelines of sleeping. So before, because I was like really committed to being in this room at 6am, I was waking up at 4am to like go for a walk, try to get my writing in, get my journaling and do all these things right before I even started six. And then I was finding myself being quite frankly, kind of exhausted. And so when I let go of that room at 6am, I was like, Oh, now I can actually wake up at, you know, a little bit later and not feel like I have to get all these things done before this day starts as particularly for a room that I wasn't getting any clients from. So as much as I like the people in there, it wasn't serving me. Right. Um, and I wasn't helping anyone. It was just a bunch of people talking to their friends. Um, 
and with that, I, I started doing some sleep tracking um, and also looking at when my circadian rhythm was when, um, and even it, uh, I started using this app that shows when your dips are. So I now allow myself, like when though I see those dips are happening, I'll go f- putter around, do something else around the house, whether it's an errand or something that I know doesn't require my brain power. And I'll try to use my heavier brain power in the mornings. And then, Hey, if I have a dip, I'm going to take a 20 minute nap because that's what my body wants. Right. And that's been such a huge shift of just even allowing it. Cause before I could just be that person trying to be over caffeinated and trying to just plow through from, you know, 4am till 6pm or wherever long my day was needing, because I thought that that's what I needed to do. And then again, it's, it's letting go of the, this is who I should be, or this is what I need to do because really you're only accountable to yourself in most cases. Right. That's the interesting. And I, that's what you had just talked about is the reason why I do my podcast. Cause I, I love it because I always get some sort of nugget of information of how to reprogram my life. Cause that mm-hmm. just was wonderful. And you know, when I play it back through the editor and all that, I'm just going to sit on that one. Cause that was absolutely brilliant because I think we all should do that, but you took the time to invest in that and figure that out because you did talk a little bit on your Instagram post today about your changing your sleep rhythms. And I thought, what did she do? And you just magically told me, which I love. (laughs) So I love that. That's why I do this. This is so much fun, but I got one more question for you before I let you go. Yeah. Using the color wheel and you're familiar with is what, color represents your personality Mm, red yeah fiery passionate yeah lively yeah i that's that's what i you know my intuition and that's what i read from you just that but as i'm going through this process of rebranding and one of the things says you ask people you know to describe you in one word and my coworker described me as purple and I thought that's fascinating because that's an interesting color and there's a whole science around what color you are Mm -hmm. there's a whole I mean that's just a little bit of a deep dive on the internet about what certain colors mean and for personalities and stuff and I just I'm trying out that question now on my podcast because I just think it's a fascinating question what how people perceive what their favorite color is, which I really personally don't have a favorite color, but I, the purple kind of fits for me because it's a little bit. I think I've done some research. I mean, obviously my mind automatically goes to that purple heart. It's like every time I've ever used an emoji online, I have to look up what the different colors are just to make sure I'm on the correct side of it. But it's funny in my prior iterations, whenever someone would ask me that I'd say black, like my soul just to mess with them. But Well, yeah, that's your sarcasm coming out because you have that. And that's what personally I love it because, you know, sarcasm is a free service I offer. (laughs) Always has been. And, you know, I have a T-shirt in my drawer that says, you know, sarcasm loading. Literally. I know. And it's just, you know, I, you know, some people write it and it's like, that's you're just deflecting on something or whatever. And I'm like, no. It's just me being goofy and being, being me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I can take a turn of phrase faster than anybody. Yeah. If, if someone can't get sarcasm or, or quick wit, then. We right. Can. I know. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like this was just wonderful. I knew you were going to be a wonderful guest because I just, I learned so much about myself and you also kind of gave me some hope because in no uncertain terms, you kind of illuminated that there are other people out there that have the same trials and tribulations that I do. And that make that's mm-hmm. honest to goodness, Crystal, that is very, very comforting for me. And that's wonderful. And I'm really proud of you for helping men change their stories about themselves because ultimately, isn't that what we want to be a little bit, be a better human, be a better man, be a better woman and make this world a little bit better place. One person, one interaction at a time. Oh, spot on. I mean, I think everyone just wants to be seen and accepted for who they are and hopefully become the best versions of themselves in this lifetime. So. Yep. That's that works for me. And I'm, Really proud of you and really grateful for you to even come on my podcast. Mm, thank you, friend. It's so good to see you. Yeah, you too. It's about time. And yeah. I kind of took a sabbatical from podcasting because it's been three weeks since my last one. So I'm going to be high on endorphins for the rest of the day because mm-hmm. this is awesome. Awesome. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, have a great day and I will talk to you later. All right. Talk to you soon.